Chapter Thirteen of the Prairie by James Fenimore Cooper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by William Peck. A pickaxe and a spade, a spade, four in a shrouding sheet. Oh, a pit of clay for to be made, for such a guest is meet. Song in Hamlet. Stand back. "'Stand off, the whole of ye,' said Esther hoarsely to the crowd, which pressed too closely on the corpse. "'I am his mother, and my right is better than that of ye all. "'Who has done this? Tell me. Ishmael, Abram, Abner, open your mouths and your hearts, and let God's truth and no other issue from them. Who has done this bloody deed?' Her husband made no reply, but stood, leaning on his rifle, looking sadly, but with an unaltered eye, at the mangled remains of his son. Not so the mother. She threw herself on the earth, and receiving the cold and ghastly head into her lap, she sat contemplating those muscular features on which the death agony was still hardly impressed, in a silence far more expressive than any language of lamentation could have proved. The voice of the woman was frozen in grief. In vain, Ishmael attempted a few words of rude consolation. She neither listened nor answered. Her sons gathered about her in a circle, and expressed, after their uncouth manner, their sympathy in her sorrow, as well as their sense of their own loss, but she motioned them away impatiently with her hand. At times her fingers played in the matted hair of the dead, and at others they lightly attempted to smooth the painfully expressive muscles of its ghastly visage, as the hand of the mother is seen lingering fondly about the features of her sleeping child. Then, starting from their revolting office, her hands would flutter around her, and seem to seek some fruitless remedy against the violent blow which had thus suddenly destroyed the child, in whom she had not only placed her greatest hopes, but so much of her maternal pride. While engaged in the latter incomprehensible manner, the lethargic Abner turned aside, and swallowing the unwanted emotions which were rising in his own throat, he observed— Mother means that we should look for the signs that we may know in what manner Asa has come by his end. We owe it to the accursed Sioux, answered Ishmael. Twice have they put me deeply in their debt. The third time the score shall be cleared. But, not content with this plausible explanation, and perhaps secretly glad to avert their eyes from a spectacle which awakened so extraordinary and unusual sensations in their sluggish bosoms, the sons of the squatter turned away in a body from their mother and the corpse, and proceeded to make the inquiries which they fancied the former had so repeatedly demanded. Ishmael made no objections, but though he accompanied his children while they proceeded in the investigation, it was more with the appearance of complying with their wishes, at a time when resistance might not be seemly, than with any visible interest in the result. As the boarders, notwithstanding their usual dullness, were well instructed in most things connected with their habits of life, an inquiry, the success of which depended so much on signs and evidences that bore so strong a resemblance to a forest trail, was likely to be conducted with skill and acuteness. Accordingly, they proceeded to the melancholy task with great readiness and intelligence. Abner and Enoch agreed in their accounts as to the position in which they had found the body. It was seated nearly upright, the back supported by a mass of matted brush, and one hand still grasping a broken twig of the alders. 
It was probably owing to the former circumstance that the body had escaped the rapacity of the carrion birds, which had been seen hovering above the thicket, and the latter proved that life had not yet entirely abandoned the hapless victim when he entered the brake. The opinion now became general, that the youth had received his death wound in the open prairie, and had dragged his enfeebled form into the cover of the thicket for the purpose of concealment. A trail through the bushes confirmed this opinion. It also appeared, on examination, that a desperate struggle had taken place on a very margin of the thicket. This was sufficiently apparent by the trodden branches, the deep impressions on the moist grounds, and the lavish flow of blood. "'He has been shot in the open ground and come here for a cover,' said Abram. "'These marks would clearly prove it. The boy has been set upon by the savages in a body, and has fought like a hero, as he was until they had mastered his strength and then drawn him into the bushes.' To this probable opinion there was now but one dissenting voice, that of the slow-minded Ishmael, who demanded that the corpse itself should be examined in order to obtain a more accurate knowledge of its injuries. On examination it appeared that a rifle bullet had passed directly through the body of the deceased, entering beneath one of his brawny shoulders and making its exit by the breast. It required some knowledge in gunshot wounds to decide this delicate point but the experience of the boarders was quite equal to the scrutiny, and a smile of wild and certainly of singular satisfaction passed among the sons of Ishmael when Abner confidently announced that the enemies of Asa had assailed him in the rear. "'It must be so,' said the gloomy but attentive squatter. "'He was of too good a stock, and too well trained knowingly to turn the weak side to man or beast. Remember, boys, that while the front of manhood is to your enemy—' Let him be, who or what he may, you are safe from cowardly surprise. Why, Esther, woman, you are getting beside yourself with picking at the hair and the garments of the child. Little good you can do him now, old girl. See, interrupted Enoch, extricating from the fragments of cloth the morsel of lead, which had prostrated the strength of one so powerful. Here is the very bullet. Ishmael took it in his hand and eyed it long and closely. "'There's no mistake,' at length he muttered through his compressed teeth. "'It's from the pouch of that accursed trapper. "'Like many of the hunters he has a mark in his mould, "'in order to know the work of his rifle performs. "'And here you see it plainly, six little holes, laid crossways. "'I'll swear to it,' cried Abram, triumphantly. "'He showed me his private mark himself, "'and boasted of the number of deer he had laid upon the prairies "'with these very bullets.' Now, Ishmael, will you believe me when I tell you the old knave is a spy of the redskins? The lead passed from the hand of one to that of another, and unfortunately for the reputation of the old man, several among them remembered also to have seen the aforesaid private bullet marks during the curious examination which all had made of his accoutrements. In addition to this wound, however, were many others of a less dangerous nature, all of which were supposed to confirm the supposed guilt of the trapper. The traces of many different struggles were to be seen, between the spot where the first blood was spilt and the thicket to which it was now generally believed Asa had retreated as a place of refuge. These were interpreted into so many proofs of the weakness of the murderer, who would have sooner dispatched his victim had not even the dying strength of the youth rendered him formidable to the infirmities of one so old. The danger of drawing some others of the hunters to the spot by repeated firing was deemed a sufficient reason for not again resorting to the rifle after it had performed the important duty of disabling the victim. The weapon of the dead man was not to be found, and had doubtless, together with many other less valuable and lighter articles, 
that he was accustomed to carry about his person become a prize to his destroyer. But what, in addition to the tell-tale bullet, appeared to fix the ruthless deed with peculiar certainty on the trapper, was the accumulated evidence furnished by the trail, which proved notwithstanding his deadly hurt that the wounded man had still been able to make a long and desperate resistance to the subsequent efforts of his murderer. Ishmael seemed to press this proof with a singular mixture of sorrow and pride. Sorrow at the loss of a son, whom in their moments of amity he highly valued, and pride at the courage and power he had manifested to his last and weakest breath. "'He died as a son of mine should die,' said the squatter, gleaning a hollow consolation from so unnatural an exultation. "'A dread to his enemy to the last, and without help from the law. Come, children!' We have the grave to make, and then to hunt his murderer. The sons of the squatter set about their melancholy office in silence and in sadness. An excavation was made in the hard earth at a great expense of toil and time, and the body was wrapped in such spare vestments as could be collected among the laborers. When these arrangements were completed, Ishmael approached the seemingly unconscious Esther and announced his intention to inter the dead. She heard him, and quietly relinquished her grasp of the corpse, rising in silence to follow it to its narrow resting-place. Here she seated herself again at the head of the grave, watching each movement of the youth with eager and jealous eyes. When a sufficiency of earth was laid upon the senseless clay of Asa to protect it from injury, Enoch and Abner entered the cavity and trod it into a solid mass by the weight of their huge frames with an appearance of a strange not to say savage, mixture of care and indifference. This well-known precaution was adopted to prevent the speedy exhumation of the body by some of the carnivorous beasts of the prairie, whose instinct was sure to guide them to the spot. Even the rapacious birds appeared to comprehend the nature of the ceremony, for, mysteriously apprised that the miserable victim was now about to be abandoned by the human race, they once more began to make their airy circuits above the place, screaming, as if to frighten the kinsmen from their labor of caution and love. Ishmael stood with folded arms, steadily watching the manner in which this necessary duty was performed, and when the whole was completed, he lifted his cap to his sons to thank them for their services, with a dignity that would have become one much better nurtured. Throughout the whole of a ceremony, which is ever solemn and admonitory, the squatter had maintained a grave and serious deportment. His vast features were visibly stamped with an expression of deep concern, but at no time did they falter until he turned his back as he believed forever on the grave of his firstborn. Nature was then stirring powerfully within him, and the muscles of his stern visage began to work perceptibly. His children fastened their eyes on his, as if to seek a direction to the strange emotions which were moving their own heavy natures, when the struggle in the bosom of the squatter suddenly ceased, and, taking his wife by the arm, he raised her to her feet as if she had been an infant, saying, in a voice that was perfectly steady, though a nice observer would have discovered that it was kinder than usual, "'Yes, sir, we have now done all that man and woman can do. We raised the boy, made him such as few others were like, on the frontiers of America, and we have given him a grave. Let us go our way. The woman turned her eyes slowly from the fresh earth, and laying her hands on the shoulders of her husband stood, looking him anxiously in the eyes. Ishmael, Ishmael, she said, you parted from the boy in your wrath. May the Lord pardon his sins freely, as I have forgiven him his worst misdeeds, calmly returned the squatter. 
Woman, go you back to the rock and read your Bible. A chapter in that book always does you good. You can read, Esther, which is a privilege I never did enjoy. Yes, yes, muttered the woman, yielding to his strength and suffering herself to be led, though with strong reluctance from the spot. I can read, and how have I used the knowledge? But he, Ishmael, he has not the sin of wasted learning to answer for. We have spared him that, at least. Whether it be in mercy or in cruelty, I know not. Her husband made no reply, but continued steadily to lead her in the direction of their temporary abode. When they reached the summit of the swell of land, which they knew was the last spot from which the situation of the grave of Asa could be seen, they all turned, as by common concurrence, to take a farewell view of the place. The little mound itself was not visible, but it was frightfully indicated by the flock of screaming birds, which hovered above. In the opposite direction, a low, blue hillock in the skirts of the horizon pointed out the place where Esser had left the rest of her young and served as an attraction to draw her reluctant steps from the last abode of her eldest born. Nature quickened in the bosom of the mother at the sight, and she finally yielded the rights of the dead to the more urgent claims of the living. The foregoing occurrences had struck a spark from the stern tempers of a set of beings so singularly molded in the habits of their uncultivated lives which served to keep alive among them the dying embers of family affection. United to their parents by ties no stronger than those which use has created, there had been great danger, as Ishmael had foreseen, that the overloaded hive would swarm and leave him saddled with the difficulties of a young and helpless brood, unsupported by the exertions of those whom he had already brought to a state of maturity. The spirit of insubordination, which emanated from the unfortunate Asa, had spread among his juniors, and the squatter had been made painfully to remember the time when, in the wantonness of his youth and vigor, he had, reversing the order of the brutes, cast off his own aged and failing parents, to enter into the world unshackled and free. But the danger had now abated, for a time at least, and if his authority was not restored with all its former influence, it was admitted to exist and to maintain its ascendancy a little longer. It is true that his slow-minded sons, even while they submitted to the impressions of the recent event, had glimmerings of terrible distrust as to the manner in which their elder brother had met with his death. There were faint and indistinct images in the minds of two or three of the oldest which portrayed the father himself as ready to imitate the example of Abraham without the justification of the sacred authority which commanded the holy man to attempt the revolting office. But then, these images were so transient, and so much obscured in intellectual mist, as to leave no very strong impressions, and the tendency of the whole transaction, as we have already said, was rather to strengthen than to weaken the authority of Ishmael. In this disposition of mind, the party continued their route towards the place whence they had that morning issued on a search which had been crowned with so melancholy a success. The long and fruitless march which they had made under the direction of Abram, the discovery of the body, and its subsequent interment, had so far consumed the day, that by the time their steps were retraced across the broad track of waste which lay between the grave of Asa and the rock, the sun had fallen far below his meridian altitude. The hill had gradually risen as they approached, like some tower, emerging from the bosom of the sea, and when, within a mile, the minuter objects that crowned its height came dimly into view. "'It will be a sad meeting for the girls,' 
said Ishmael, who from time to time did not cease to utter something which he contended should be consolatory to the bruised spirit of his partner. Asa was much regarded by the, all the young, and seldom failed to bring in from his hunts something that they loved. He did, he did, murmured Esser. The boy was the pride of the family. My other children are as nothing to him. Say not so, good woman, returned the father, glancing his eye a little proudly at the athletic train which followed at no great distance in the rear. Say not so, old Esther, for few fathers and mothers have greater reason to be boastful than ourselves. Thankful, thankful, muttered the humbled woman. You mean thankful, Ishmael? Then thankful let it be, if you like the word better, my good girl. But what has become of Nellie and the young? The child has forgotten the charge I gave her, and has not only suffered the children to sleep, but, I warrant you, is dreaming of the fields of Tennessee at this very moment. The mind of your niece is mainly fixed on the settlements, I reckon. Ay, she is not for us. I said it and thought it when I took her because death had stripped her of all other friends. Death is a sad worker in the bosom of families, Ishmael. Asa had a kind feeling to the child, and they might have come one day into our places had things been so ordered. Nay, she is not gifted for a frontier wife, if this is the manner she is to keep the house while the husband is on the hunt. Abner, let off your rifle, that they may know we are coming. I fear Nellie and the young are asleep. The young man complied with an alacrity that manifested how gladly he would see the rounded active figure of Ellen enlivening the ragged summit of the rock. But the report was succeeded by neither signal nor answer of any sort. For a moment the whole party stood in suspense, awaiting the result, and then a simultaneous impulse caused the whole to let off their pieces at the same instant, producing a noise which might not fail to reach the ears of all within so short a distance. "'Ah, there they come at last!' cried Abram, who was usually among the first to seize on any circumstance which promised relief from disagreeable apprehensions. "'It is a petticoat fluttering in the line,' said Esther. "'I put it there myself.' "'You are right. But now she comes. The jade has been taking her comfort in the tent.' "'It is not so,' said Ishmael, who usually inflexible features were beginning to manifest the uneasiness he felt. "'It is the tent itself blowing about loosely in the wind.' They have loosened the bottom, like silly children as they are, and unless care is had, the hole will come down. The words were scarcely uttered before a rushing blast of wind swept by the spot where they stood, raising the dust and little eddies in the progress, and then, as if guided by a master hand, it quitted the earth and mounted to the precise spot on which all eyes were just then riveted. The loosened linen felt its influence and tottered, but regained its poise, and for a moment it became tranquil. The clouds of leaves next played encircling revolutions around the place, and then descended with the velocity of a swooping hawk, and sailed away into the prairie in long straight lines, like a flight of swallows resting on their expanded wings. They were followed for some distance by the snow-white tent, which, however, soon fell behind the rock, leaving its highest peak as naked as when it lay in the entire solitude of the desert. "'The murderers have been here,' moaned Nesser. "'My babes! My babes!' For a moment even Ishmael faltered before the weight of so unexpected a blow. But shaking himself like an awakened lion, he sprang forward, and pushing aside the impediments of the barrier, as if they had been feathers, he rushed up the ascent with an impetuosity which proved how formidable a sluggish nature may become when thoroughly aroused. End of chapter 13